your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Sola. All right, welcome to another week. Cross Talk PM. Well, your week, hopefully, the first day of your week is ending. Unless you're like me. 608-785-7914. I should turn that on so I can get some texts if you want to text in. Good time to do that. Now, first half hour of the show, anytime. What do you got to complain about? Constructive criticism only, please. <laughs> 608-785-7914. Coming up, uh, the bottom half of the show, at some point, he's pretty busy, but going to sneak him in a little a little later than usual when I bring people on after the news there in Scott's comment. But Senator State Senator Brad Paff is going to come on. There's a... Uh, they're a little busy tomorrow, confirming 39 people in, I guess I, I, you could call it Governor Tony Evers, like his his crew. Seven of those will be cabinet members. So I believe there's nine, is there 19 cabinet members, and he's going to confirm, not Brad, but uh, just in general, there's going to be seven cabinet members confirmed. Two of those haven't, have been on the job since... Governor Evers took over. So it's kind of weird. Like, we're a couple of years in. Why haven't they been confirmed? So we could talk to Brad about that. Brad, obviously, maybe not obviously. If you don't remember, Brad Path was the Ag Secretary here in the state for a while. Almost a year he was doing that. And he never got confirmed either. So while somebody, the guy that took over for Brad as the Ag Secretary, he's getting confirmed tomorrow. But Brad did the job for about 10, 11 months, Brad Paff, and uh, never got confirmed. Then he said, then he then he kind of spoke out about how some, I believe, mental health funding for farmers wasn't getting through th- through the legislature. Just say it like that. And uh, that made Republicans mad. I think maybe he called out Republicans because they lead the legislature. And so they just dismissed him. <laughs> essentially fired him. Hey, you can't you can't talk to us like that. You're fired. Which is kind of I think the that's kind of the whole angle here with um and not just not not I probably not just Wisconsin, but just the idea that hey, if we don't confirm these people, then they have to bend to my will or the legislature's will. And then anytime that we disagree with what they're doing, we can fire them. And, and that's what happened, essentially, to Brad Paff. He didn't get fired, per se, because he never actually had the job. But it is kind of weird that we have people running our state that haven't been confirmed by the Senate. I always bring that up anytime we talk about this. Uh, hey, you're gonna, can you do this really important job in the state? Also, like, we're not going to confirm you. <laughs> we're, just, we're not going to have you go through the you, you know, job interview process. We're not going to do any of that. Just do the job. And maybe in a couple of years we'll confirm you, but in those couple of years, if you piss us off, we'll we'll just tell you to, you know, get bent, <laughs> go go find something else to do. So that's what Brad did. Brad Paff did find something else to do. He he ran for Senate and defeated uh, Dan Kapenke here in in the area, and uh, now he's the one doing the confirming. We'll see if he. We'll ask him if he's going to uh, confirm these nominees of Governor Tony Evers, even including the guy that. That job, he was that he took over Brad's old job as egg secretary. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line. So the the Oktoberfest medallion was found. took It took eight clues. That happened. Uh, that that news came out over the weekend. Only eight clues. That seems like a lot. Eight of the ten clues only. I said only. It was a lot. 
some other news too. The um, the former head of the lacrosse diocese, Cardinal Raymond Burke, seventy three years old. He's he's recovering still at home. There's a story on that today. Just the idea that he isn't doing all that great at, from COVID yet. He got COVID back in August. This kind of aligns with the uh, state senator. Andre Jacques, I think, I don't know exactly how to pronounce his name, but uh, he's a state senator here in Wisconsin that was spent five weeks, kind of kind of the same amount of time that Raymond Burke spent, only he's, he's quite a bit younger, and uh, he spent five weeks in the hospital. He was dismissed, I think, last week. Not dismissed. He was sent home from COVID, and he's not doing great either. So these, uh, and both of these people kind of align in the same, in the same way with uh, vaccinations and uh, just protocols to to stop slow, be safe from the virus, whatever you want, however you want to categorize that. So, um, yeah, for a while there, they were both on ventilators, but uh, Raymond Burke um, posted a letter on his website Saturday saying that he left the hospital September third and moved into a house near his family. Could be could be in the lacrosse area. It doesn't really say. We're not really sure. Uh, Burke says he's going through in-home rehabilitation, still suffers from fatigue, has difficulty breathing. So as we get gear up for Oktoberfest, um, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, like Mayor Mitch Reynolds had put out a statement too about Oktoberfest and, and the virus and where we're at with that. And uh, some other news too, um, dealing with the shooting that happened on French Island. Got a lot of things. Got a lot of things to get to. We'll try to get to all these before Senator Brad Paff comes on. Um, what were what were some of the other? Uh, oh, and then I had two stories that just aren't Wisconsin, aren't aren't all that local. But um, nearly a quarter of Iowa public school students are in districts that have experienced significant COVID nineteen outbreaks this year. So there's that as we you know are getting into the school year for a couple of weeks now. How's how's that in Iowa? It's uh, COVID's affecting these school districts. Uh, the 27 school districts represent 24.5% of all Iowa public school students. So these with significant increases in COVID. Um, and then this one's kind of funny, but an Illinois man unexpectedly won the Quad Cities Marathon this weekend. Uh, when the two Kenyan runners who had far outpaced him were disqualified after being diverted off the course by a race volunteer bicyclist. How about that? <laughs> so you're following the... The guy who's running the course for you, you're you're winning by a significant amount, and the bicyclist bicyclist takes you off course, and then you're disqualified. I don't know. Did they? I I, I haven't gotten. I just saw this right before the show, so I I was like, what? It's kind of popped up on the wires. I was looking, and uh, so Tyler Pence crossed the finish line two hours fifteen minutes uh, to become the first U.S. runner since two thousand one to win the race through the Quad Cities along the Mississippi River in Illinois and Iowa. Uh, he's the head of, a cross, of the cross-country and track team at Illinois, Springfield. Uh, Pence's win came after these two Kenyan runners diverted from the course a little more than halfway to the finish when the bicycle rider leading them mistakenly went straight when he should have turned. So intentional? I don't know. Uh, race, the race director confirmed that the bicyclist went the wrong way but said the two runners should also have known not to follow him. So you think about it, you're halfway through a marathon. This uh, what is it? 26.2 miles, I think it is. And um, 
the bicyclist, you're just following the dude on the bike. You're like, what else you got? What else you got to do? Okay, we're gonna follow the guy on the bike. I'm really tired. I don't feel great. I'm running a marathon. We're halfway done. The bicyclist is going this way. Oh, and the race director <laughs> blames the runners. They should have known not to follow him. You should know the 26-mile course. What are you talking about? Uh, yeah, pretty pretty awful. And then the throw them under the bicyclist, so to speak, under the bus. Get it? Um, all right, Brad's got to do the news. We'll come back after this. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. I got time. Brad Paff's going to join me in about at about 535, 540, somewhere around there. And as the uh, the Senate gets set to confirm 39 people in Governor, Governor Tony Evers' administration, including seven cabinet members, one that isn't getting confirmed. We talked about this Friday with Dr. Anthony Chagoski at UW Lacrosse. If you want to listen to that show, it's pretty informative. We, we hit a lot of topics. It's a pretty informative and also a little bit goofy, but uh, just go to lacrosse or wisdomnews.com slash podcast. Look for lacrosse talk PM on there. Or if you download podcasts, if you're, you're into that, just, just search lacrosse talk PM and there it is. All the podcasts show up. But yeah, so there's uh, seven cabinet members. Brad Paff kind of has an interesting angle to this because he was an, a cabinet member. He's the ag secretary. And he did the job 10, 11 months, and then they, quote-unquote, fired him, if you use air quotes there. He didn't really fire him because he never actually had the job. He just did it for 10, 11 months. And then when he made Republicans mad about mental health, there was some manure talk in there, too. We'll have to talk about, we'll have to ask Brad about the manure angle of this, uh, quote-unquote, firing. But um, he, he was adamant that farmers should get this mental health funding. And uh, I think he called out Republicans for not, you know, pushing it through or whatever. And and uh, the Republicans went, what? How dare ye talk about us like that? And then sent him sent him on his way. So so that's that story. Um, Mayor Mitch Reynolds put out a statement today. Trying to find it. I've got a lot of tabs open. So give me a minute here. All right. Here it is. So Oktoberfest obviously begins this week, Thursday. I think Brad was just at a meeting some kind of a secret press event. I can't reveal any of the outcomes of it, uh, but we'll have a story on it. I think uh, later tonight um, on some of the some of the info, some of the re- revelations from Oktoberfest. But obviously, Oktoberfest ha- didn't happen last year. And in the past, anyone who knows anything about Oktoberfest, pretty popular. Kind of a lot of people go there. Didn't happen last year for you know the pandemic. Obviously, the, the that COVID thing. So we didn't have a Oktoberfest. So nothing, not there, there isn't a ton of difference between this year and last year, except vaccinations, which makes all the difference. If you're vaccinated, I think it makes, it makes a lot of the difference anyway, but Oktoberfest, I kind of wonder how popular it's going to be. There's, there's half, half the people probably a little worried about COVID. Other half of people probably not worried about COVID at all. Younger people maybe feel like they're invincible and just don't care and will go and do all the Oktoberfest things. Also, Oktoberfest happens outdoors, right? Most of this stuff happens outside. So what we've learned over the past two years with COVID is, yeah, if you're outside, it's it's not going to be that bad. 
probably just don't be right in everybody's face, which I feel like the Maple Leaf Parade and, you know, the tapping, like some of that stuff where you you might be just on top of each other. So just be conscious, maybe be conscious of that, you know, like a little bit of distance. Uh, I don't know if that works out of, out of Maple Leaf Parade route when everybody's trying to throw their blankets and, and lawn chairs out at midnight the day before the parade just to get the the best seat in the house. And uh, then, you know, the next day everybody tries to crowd in next to those people. And I, so might not be great social distancing there, but also you're still outside. But the mayor's statement today, recently there have been questions about La Crosse County Health Department COVID-19 safety guidance in relation to large events, especially how they may impact planning for Oktoberfest. Mayor Mitch Reynolds says, I've assured I've been assured by the county that nothing new has been added to the guidance it provided to the Oktoberfest organization back in August, and the health department has no new concerns with events surrounding Oktoberfest. Reynolds adds, uh, I have also met again recently with Oktoberfest board members to recommend a heightened level of health and safety protocols. Reynolds says, uh, he remains convinced that the outdoor activities of Oktoberfest can be conducted in a manner that limits the spread of COVID-19 in our community. Much of that depends on those who attend wearing face masks, practicing social distancing, and having up-to-date COVID-19 vaccinations. Reynolds goes on, the biggest risks related to Oktoberfest celebrations are from those who do not mask, are not vaccinated, and gather in large groups at indoor venues. None of the activity is under the control of the Oktoberfest organization and would occur regardless of whether we had sanctioned parades or events for fest. And lastly, Reynolds says, it might be noteworthy to point out that while I've been asked about county health department recommendations in regards to large gatherings, La Crosse County government representatives are hosting hundreds attending a mostly indoor Wisconsin Counties Association convention at the La Crosse Center this week. So kind of an interesting uh, send off there, kind of a drop the mic. (laughs) The La Crosse County Health Department wants to have all these guidelines, but also La Crosse County government's doing a big convention at the end of the week with hundreds gathering and they might be mostly indoors at the La Crosse Center. Maybe they should cancel. Maybe they should postpone. Maybe they should go on Zoom. Uh, if we're going to worry about Oktoberfest. And also, like the parade, tapping the keg, everything that happens at the fest grounds, the other parade, the torchlight parade too, I should mention, and and all that stuff happens outdoors. What ends up happening, and this is the biggest worry, right, with Oktoberfest is where do those people go after all that stuff? And that's kind of the worry. And and Mitch mentions that, and he mentions that you know, the, the county health department, the county itself doesn't really have control of that. And if the county government wanted to have control of that, they would be a little bit hypocritical being that they're having a convention at the lacrosse center (laughs) this week. So the same week that Oktoberfest is happening, but yeah, all these people are going to go to the parade, go to Oktoberfest. And once the sun goes down, I would assume they're going to head downtown somewhere either, you know, maybe not even when the sun goes down, if they want to uh, get something to eat, that's not at the fest grounds. Uh, go to a go to a bar. Or go to you know, or get something to drink. I mean, the last time I went to Oktoberfest, spent quite a bit of time in the bars, just a little bit of time. Anyway, six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the talk and text line if you want to get in here. If you want to text in as well, Eric from Sparta calling. Eric, go ahead. You're on the air. 
it has one of the major mitchell uh except all the uh infections of this this uh, mass spreader event coming up this weekend. We take responsibility for anything at all, will we? Thank you very much. Okay. Um no. <laughs> pretty sure, pretty sure the statement sums it up. And uh, is is it up to the mayor to take responsibility for for an organization that has nothing to do with the city's government? It's not like the city is hosting October. It's not like the city that is doing this. It's Oktoberfest. So uh, anyway, 608-785-7914 if you want to get in here. Um, Yeah, I just think it's it's a pretty interesting interesting, uh, statement by, by the mayor. It all kind of makes sense too, and I still love the the little bit of a, a a drop the mic, drop the pen, throw the keyboard moment uh, at the end there, just calling out the Lacrosse County government for for hosting a meeting. If and and maybe they're maybe they'll have their meeting outside. They could have it. They're, just go out to Riverside Park, have a meeting outside. Unless it's raining, then I don't know. Do it that way. Uh, one more thing I wanted to get to before we cut out for for scott's comment and brad doing the news uh, i put this up just a little bit ago i tried it was it was a little difficult to to track down and and maybe it's just how just how the police work these things but um gunshots a gunshot i should say i don't think it was multiple gunshots i think it was one uh on french island happened over the weekend and it happened at uh, a bar there on French Island, Dugout 47. And somebody got shot, but not directly. So I might get to that in a minute. But Northside Kent's calling in. The mayor of the Northside. Oh, no, he hung up. All right. The Northside mayor works out of the Burger King. Is it a Burger Yeah, the old Burger King. That's where his office is. Uh, he hung up. But, yeah, so there was a there was a... You could call it a shooting at Dugout 47 on French Island at 1 a.m. or so on Saturday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning, right? And apparently a gun went off. Somebody got hit by, I would, I would say, like a ricochet. But I don't know. I don't even know if the bullet hit them. The, the lacrosse sheriff's office in the Campbell Police Department said it was shrapnel from the gunshot. So maybe the gunshot hit something, and then that something hit this person in the lower leg. That person went to the hospital. And ended up uh, being treated and released, but we don't. We there is no suspect yet, so it's kind of interesting. Like somebody had a gun at the bar, the gun went off. Well, did that person legally have the gun? Who is that person? We don't know any of that. Uh, all right, Kent, you're back on the air. Go ahead, man. Hey, man, is um, Mayor Mitch going down Oktoberfest or? I don't, I don't know. I I would assume he would probably make an appearance at something, but I I have no idea. And if he does, he's going to have a mask on. I would I would assume, unless he's drinking a beer. Yeah, in between drinks of the beer, but that's good. And that thing on French Island where this guy got shot in a bar. Yeah, I have my carry concealed permit, and it says right on the carry concealed permit, no guns allowed in the bar when you're drinking wherever. You know, nope. you got to be responsible with that stuff. But them hoot nannies over there in French Island, you know they are. Well, no gar- no guns. You can't have your gun if you're drinking, but right? Like, can you? You can't have your gun at all if you have any alcohol in your body. That's what they say. Okay, my carry concealed permits. But so you could, whether you it could, be at home or in a bar, you need to leave your gun locked up in the house. And but Kent, if CBS I'm news brief, if I'm Our at Kelly- the bar and I'm not drinking, can I have my gun with me? 
Yes, you can. Okay, so there you're not consuming alcohol. And then that gun can be loaded and all that jazz, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And like you said, self-protection-wise, but, yeah, no alcohol while in possession of a firearm. Yeah, I got I to gotta so, wonder what happened in the bar. Like, what, Was the guy, like, you know, doing the twirl with his gun, <laughs> and then it went I don't off? Know, man. You know, yeah, it's kind of a straight shot, and then shrapnel hit the guy at the bar and his leg, and he had to go to the hospital. Yeah, because why would your gun go off if you just have it in your, in your holster, uh, you know, in the bar? Like, why would it go off? Oh, like you said, he was probably twirling it around, having some cocktails. But okay, Kent, you got to even, even at my office on Burger King, I don't carry my weapon in there. It's, well, you, you know, can put a sign office. outside there. Well, no, yep. no guns allowed on the government premises. Um, Kent, if if you're if you have a concealed, you say you have a concealed carry permit. If you're at a bar, can yep. you take your gun out? Um, you can have it on your person, no alcohol, while you were possessing a firearm. But can I just can I get it out and lay it on the bar? No, no, it needs to be on your holster and okay. conceal. And unless, unless you need to protect yourself. Correct. Or show off to the guy who's you're playing in pool. <laughs> right. And accidentally shoot somebody with some shrapnel on the leg. Yeah. That, right. That's what the state law is for that. So. All right, Kent, appreciate it, man. Mm-hmm. All right, thanks for the call. Uh, all right, I got to get to Brad doing the news. Scott's comment coming up. Senator Brad Paff, Wisconsin State Senator Brad Paff coming up. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. 608-785-7914 is the text line because I got Brad Paff, State Senator, on with me right now. How are you doing, Brad? I'm wonderful. Rick, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm not going to throw Star Wars quotes at you this time like uh, that one time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, Brad, Brad, we were trying to figure this out because I know you're a lacrosse County native, but do you, are you from yep. West Salem or one of the smaller towns outside of West Salem? Oh, a smaller town outside. Uh, oh, and now we lost Brad. All right. He'll call back. Yeah. That was right on the cusp too. One time, Brad, one time Brad joined the show and it, I, I don't think it was during COVID. And I, did, I just I wasn't I wasn't sure where he was, but he he joined the show one time, and then after and the, Brad, your phone line wasn't great the la, the one time you joined the show, and then I learned that you were at Riverside Park, and you could have just came over and sat in yeah. studio with me. You're not at Riverside Park right now, are you? I am not, unfortunately. I am not. But can you hear me? Yeah, I can. We we can hear you all right. It was just a like cut out right right away. It must have just hung up. Oh, I'm sorry about that. No, I am a uh, proud Coles Medora Mustang. I grew up on a family farm in northern La Crosse County outside of Mindoro. So, All right. Uh, a Mindoro. Melrose, Mindoro. Well, when you went to high school, was it Melrose dash Mindoro? That's right. Yes, it was. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So, Brad, the 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 state senate is going to do a bunch of confirmations tomorrow. I think thirty nine in total. Why is that? Is that number high? That seems like a lot of people. And Governor Evers, it's not like he just took office. Yeah, it is. It is a lot, Rick. And uh, first of all, I'm very happy that uh, we're finally moving forward, and we're going to confirm. We're going to confirm a number of uh, cabinet officials as well as people to uh, various uh, boards. Um, but it is a lot. And the thing is this, is that unfortunately uh, we in the Senate haven't been doing our job over the last few years. Uh, rather than moving the ball forward and making sure that our government works for all the people, uh, we play partisan politics. And it's unfortunate. It's unnecessary. Uh, it doesn't need to be like this. Uh, but tomorrow we're going to be confirming uh, some cabinet officials. That's important, some board appointees. 
Um, and it's my hope that uh, you know we can continue to uh, uh, move forward and uh, confirm uh, these officials so you know our government can continue to be responsive and work for all of the people. I think yep. that's very important. Brad, how long does it take to confirm someone? There's seven cabinet members going to be confirmed, 39 people in his administration, I would assume. And, like, is it like, eh, you're good. we got to get through 39 of these. And you know what? Dinner is coming up. So, I don't know. Does it take five minutes to confirm a person, or, or, or is it an hours-long process? Well, I mean, we've definitely had an opportunity to review the work that these individuals have done. Uh, some of these individuals have been serving in their position uh, since January of 2019. Uh, so, you know, I do believe some of this can go quite quickly. Um, as far as those individuals that are serving on various panels and boards right now, we've had an opportunity to learn and meet with them uh, for a, a period of time. Uh, this should be done quite quickly. Um, and again, you know, if, if there are concerns, if there's concerns that brought up, uh, we need to hear it, and we need to learn uh, what the problem is. Uh, but the thing is this. Uh, the individuals who have been appointed to do these jobs are individuals that, um, you know, have uh, been working in this field for quite some time. Right. Have a background and have a knowledge and have a skill set. And so, again, uh, you know, I recognize partisan politics. I understand we've got a two-party system. But I also realize this. It should not be a zero-sum game. Not everything has to be a zero-sum game. Let's come together. Let's get things done well, Let's not just fight the fight. Well, Brad, is there is there a, a, a an avenue here that Republicans have taken advantage of? And in your case, it seems like they have. You were the Ag Secretary for eleven months uh, at the beginning of Evers' administration. You you pissed off Republicans apparently because you said something about approving some mental health funding for farmers, and they didn't like that. You 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 talked back to them. And they said, if you're going to do that, then we're going to we're going to quote unquote fire you. We're going to dismiss you as ag secretary. Something that they wouldn't be able to do had they confirmed you. Am I am I incorrect there or not? Well, if I would have been confirmed, I would have been confirmed. That doesn't mean that uh, you know the you know the uh, Wisconsin State Senate, the Wisconsin State Assembly, um, has every right uh, to continue to ask questions and to hold uh, cabinet officials' feet to the fire. And uh, that's the important part of this. Uh, but it's also the job of a cabinet official to go out and to listen and to learn uh, what's happening within the state of Wisconsin in the field uh, that they are overseeing to make sure that the department that they have been asked to um, to administrate, to run, is operating in an efficient and effective manner. And the thing is, is that uh, I was proud that we were doing that. Uh, I, I heard directly from, you know, rural residents, uh, Republican, Democrat, uh, in independence, uh, that there was concerns out in the countryside. Um, I had the audacity to share that. And as a result of that, I mean, you know, uh, obviously, um, you know, my nomination was not confirmed in the Wisconsin State Senate. But the thing is, is that it's important that we move forward. It is important that regardless of what happened with me, that we continue to move forward to make sure that, uh, you know, we can continue to have a state government that is responsive, and that is efficient, and that is listening to the people. You may not always agree, and I understand that. We can, you know, agree to disagree. We just don't always have to be so disagreeable. This right. does not have to be such a zero-sum game. 
We're speaking with State Senator Brad Paffin. The the title is kind of ironic because then you lose you you lose your job as Ag Secretary and then you run for State Senator, beat Dan Kopanke in that race, and now here you are as the state a rookie State Senator. Um, and you want to move forward, Brad, but I like to rehash all this stuff. Is it harder <laughs> to is it harder to fire a cabinet secretary if they have been confirmed? Is that that's kind of the the point, right? Yeah, the point is this, is that regardless, uh, here in Wisconsin, our cabinet secretaries are appointed by our executive branch, uh, so appointed by the governor. And uh, that does not mean that, um, you know, the cabinet secretaries do not, are not removed, uh, you know, from office. Uh, obviously, if there's a, you know, uh, a breach of responsibility uh, that they've been doing, um, you know, that, uh, you know, the legislature communicates very clearly with the executive branch on pleasure and displeasure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, just, you know, I, as far as, um, you know, just moving forward and arbitrarily making that decision, that generally doesn't happen. I just don't like the idea that if you're not confirmed, you got to tiptoe around what you say publicly because you, you would piss off the wrong people and then they would tell you you can't have that job anymore. And if you're confirmed, you don't have to tiptoe as much because, you know, there's there's one thing to not com- confirm these people. There's another thing to be able to, like, express your feelings or your constituents' feelings and what you think the government is or isn't doing correctly to to represent the the people. That's correct. Yeah, you said it well, uh, without a doubt. I mean, the thing is this, is that, I mean, one of the things the legislature does look look, uh, to the cabinet secretaries for is to make sure that the uh, departments are uh, run efficiently, but also to make sure that uh, any information that's being heard out in the countryside you know, is uh, is shared, and um, you know, I I promised when I went before my uh, nomination hearings in February of 2019 that uh, you know I would take back what I hear uh, in the countryside, and obviously I did that, and uh, um, you know, some of the stuff that I shared was not uh, uh, well received, but it is what it is. Um, you know, again, the thing, the important thing is to recognize that uh, the taxpayers of the state of Wisconsin here deserve to have a state government that is responsive, that is efficient, that's effective, and that, you know, quite frankly, is transparent. Now, and that's very important. Now, two of the secretaries, two of the seven cabinet members, uh, one is have been on the job since essentially Evers took over. One one taking over your old job, Randy Romanski. Any, uh, any instincts here where you just don't want to confirm him tomorrow, Brad? You say, nope, I'm not going to confirm him. I don't like the egg secretary. <laughs> well, I was very, I was very proud to uh, uh, announce that Randy Romanski would serve as my uh, deputy agriculture secretary in January of 2019. So I am more than excited to vote to confirm him as Wisconsin Secretary of Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection tomorrow. Uh, I'm excited about that. He's done a wonderful job, and he'll continue to do a wonderful job for all of us. The, the way this confirmation process works, too, you, you, when you talk about it doesn't take that long, it's because you've gone through committees with these people. Essentially how right. lacrosse city government works, the committee week starts next week. We do all the issues through committee, and then when the council meeting happens, we kind of already know which way to vote, yes or no, on, on all the issues. When, when we, we get to the confirmation process tomorrow in the state Senate, you all have gone through committees with these people, so you kind of already know whether or not you're going to vote to confirm them, right? That is correct, Rick. That's okay. absolutely right. Uh, a lot of the work gets done in committees. That's right. 
All right, moving on. I'll I'll drop it now, Brad. I know you you love rehashing. No you love rehashing yeah, all this old stuff, but it might be the last time. Well, it won't be the last time we talk about this because the the DNR secretary board, policy board secretary, or not secretary, but uh, yeah. a member of the DNR board. We've gotten to this place of politici- political politicization of we we've made the DNR a political area in in state government where where Fred Preen isn't stepping down even though his 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 job ended in May and Sandra Nass can't take over because the Senate is confirming confirming her she's been she's been nominated since May she's not even on the list tomorrow so we still have to get her nominated or her her correct that is that's absolutely right and of course as we're aware uh there's a, a number of legal uh there's legal issues that are taking place here now the state attorney general uh, has brought something forward in regards to the DNR uh, board chair's position. Of course, um, you know a recent uh, a recent uh, state court, um, you know, rejected the uh, uh, the attorney general's um, uh, legal maneuver there. But there's a lot more work that's going to be taking place here because, again, it's become so politicized. And again, this is politics. I understand that, but it doesn't have to be such a zero sum game. And the thing is, is that what we all need to recognize is this, is that eventually the roles will reverse. And, um, you know, we need to realize that we're, we're creating some pretty big precedents right now. And is that really uh, what we want to be able to do? Yeah, definitely. Uh, speaking with State Senator Brad Paff here in the area. Um, Brad, I don't know. What district are you in? I guess I don't know that off the top of my head. I am in the 32nd State Senate District, LaCrosse, Verdict, Crawford, and Southern Monroe County. It should be easier for me to remember that because there's, the assembly, there's a little bit more districts. But anyway, um, all right, moving on. Redistricting, there's there's all, also that's one of the most important things coming up. We, we kind of have dueling, I, I guess, uh, dueling legislation or dueling lawsuits uh, in redistricting as well, huh? We really do, and again, I'll go back to the fact that this is really unfortunate, because I will say this, uh, the, the listeners of this program, uh, the residents of western Wisconsin, they should elect, they should elect their legislators. The legislators should not um, basically select their constituents. But right now we have a situation where redistricting um, and the entire gerrymandering system that we have it just appears right now that the roles have been reversed, and rather than residents choosing uh, their elected officials, it's elected officials choosing uh, their constituents. And that's not the way this is supposed to be, and I completely disagree uh, with any type of process that uh, is not fully transparent, that does not have uh, you know, voters or have a primary role in this process. Yeah, and the, is this a when you talk to your constituents? Is this a hard one to try to explain? Because I think most people, most of the polls out there say, "Hey, we want we want nonpartisan uh, yes. a nonpartisan commission to draw these lines." However, we get there, um, and then and then to have, uh, hey, you know what? We should have the winning party, the party that wins, draw their own lines in the state, which seems ridiculous. Um, it's probably not that hard to convey to your constituents. And what kind of feedback are you hearing from people, and and how they want the maps drawn? Well, I can hear from Republicans and Democrats alike that uh, they want to see the quote the politics taken out of it. Uh, they recognize the fact that you know, uh, let's face it, Western Wisconsin is an absolutely beautiful place to live, work, and raise a family. It's a, also a very politically balanced uh, area, and um, you know they want to make sure that uh, everybody plays fair, that politicians play fair, and that uh, that you know the process isn't uh, the fix isn't in. They want to make sure that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, their vote counts, and that they have a uh, district that is balanced, 
And, uh, you know, it represents the variety of diverse opinions that we've got uh, here in western Wisconsin. That's important, and we, especially in a state senate district like mine, which is extremely, the one I represent, is extremely balanced. And, quite frankly, it, uh, it makes sure that people like myself uh, are responsive. And I'm listening, and I'm working, and I'm traveling in this district, and I'm hearing firsthand. That's important. We need to make sure that that continues to happen. What it also does, it makes sure that uh, legislators like myself, um, you know, try and find the common ground. I just don't play to one side of the aisle. You need to make sure that you try and find balance. I mean, that's only healthy. That's natural. And that's what we should be doing. Brad, what kind of... I hope our redistricting process does that. Brad, what kind of conversation do you have with like Senate Leader LeMayhew where he, you know, because he's on the other side, he doesn't want he doesn't want a, a nonpartisan commission to draw the map. So do you have conversations with him and and what's his take? Well, I do. I do speak with him. I mean, we have I mean, we've been very friendly uh, towards one another. I mean, obviously, you know, when it comes to some issues that we we have different opinions on that, but I mean, there are issues that you know, we've been able to find some common ground on. Uh, you know, need for broadband investment, uh, you know, the work that we did within the state budget. Um, you know, when it comes to redistricting, I mean, I, I, I'm i going to continue to uh, share with uh, the majority leader as well as uh, those uh, within, um, you know, within the state legislature. So the importance of just let's get out of the way. Let's us as elected officials get out of the way. Let's listen to our constituents. Let's recognize the pra- uh, that we can put together, a, you know, a nonpartisan commission that can find balance within these districts. Yeah, the, I think that's important. Yeah, the irony that we already have lawsuits over the maps that we don't have yet. We're we're fighting. We don't even have in, these maps. Like, we're already suing one another. Yeah, right. And and all those lawsuits cost taxpayers money, I believe. They sure do. So, they sure do. You're absolutely right, Rick. All right, State Senator Brad Paff. Hey, thanks a lot for for joining me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Rick. Anytime. All right. Bye. All right, one more break, and we'll come back and wrap up. All right, welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. Just a couple minutes left here. Thanks again to State Senator Brad Pafford joining. Got to get him a landline. I, I appreciate him coming on. Man, sometimes the phone just a little bit goofy, hard to hear. Uh, Northside Kent's phone, uh, the landline out of the Burger King on the north side sounds, sounds a little bit better. But you're, yeah, Brad Pap sounded like he was in a, a, a sewer tunnel somewhere. Says the guy you know, who, who, uh, who... Hey, good hey, talk hey. with Brad. I, I know he's a good guy. He's trying to do good. My buddy... Kent, what's wrong with your dog? barking at somebody. But anyway, <laughs> Rick, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, I, I looked some stuff up online. And down there in Madison, uh, state congressmen, senators, they get like $212 a day for food stipend so they can go out to eat. And you know, I can't remember the last time anybody gave me two hundred bucks for groceries. A day? <laughs> Is that true? Well, I guess no, I don't. Yeah, that's my comment. I mean, yeah, I, I hear you. and bipartisan should be bipartisan. But let's have all the senators and people in Madison pack up peanut butter jelly sandwich, <laughs> an apple box in a bag, and take it two hundred two hundred dollars a day for lunch. Come on, man. Well, that's a whole day, though. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, and then like a $5 Starbucks coffee in between. Dude, I could, I could <laughs> feed the whole Salvation Army people at McDonald's for 200 bucks a day. <laughs> right, for sure. I got you, man. I could buy like 200 cheeseburgers. I, I so, don't, no, I mean, I, don't yeah, disagree. I just want to throw that out there to people, too. So yep. I appreciate your show, Rick, man. All right, thanks a lot. 
Uh, yeah, that seems like a lot. I don't know if it's true. You got. You can't go. Northside can't. I don't know how much the Northside mayor gets a stipend a day. It doesn't sound like it's two hundred dollars. Um, and along those same lines, when we talk about some of these state senators getting um, Andre Jacques uh, being in the hospital with COVID nineteen for five weeks, I would like to see his hospital bill. I would. I would. Uh, you know. I, I'm glad he's he's doing. He's not doing great. He's out of the hospital at least, so he's home and, and doing a little bit better. Or, or our, our Cardinal Raymond Burke, who's you know now at, at, like rehabbing at home, and I'm sure he's got nurses and whatnot at home helping him recover from COVID. What's, what's that hospital bill like? But when it comes to state senators and, and state legislature, uh, we're paying those hospital bills. You know, they have, they have a, a health care plan that, that we can't touch. I mean, we could, we could get the same health care plan maybe, but it would cost an extraordinary amount of money. Wouldn't be worth it unless you get COVID. All right. That's all I got. Thanks a lot for listening.